In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to bless you. We thank you for the privilege of coming in your presence. We thank you because you are a good God. You are a wonderful Father. You are a loving Father, Spirit of the living God. You know me. I'm unashamed to say before these your people, I know nothing in my own strength nor in my own ability. But in you, I can do all things. So right now, I pray that you think through my mind, speak through my lips. Grant unto me utterance and boldness that I may minister your word to these, your people. I pray, let faith, let wisdom, let knowledge, let understanding be imparted into each and every life. Let no one leave here as they came and let the Lordship of Jesus be high and lifted to the glory and honor of your name. Touch lives, O oh God. Bring revelation, bring insight, bring understanding, give direction. We thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read from verses 1 to 8. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to 8. If you're there, just sir, say amen. Now, I mean, if it's French or English, I would just like us all to just read together. Amen. And after two, one, two. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burnt it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod, and Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. Without fail, recover all. Amen. I like to use as a title this morning, You Will Get It Back. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, it doesn't matter what may have happened in 2020. You will get it back. No matter the losses that you might have gone through, you will get it back. And I just want to say you will get it back plus some. You will get it back plus some. 
Because the scripture tells us when the thief be found, he shall restore sevenfold. So for many of us believers who believe that we have lost and we have um, gone through some sort of whatever difficulty we've gone through through the year of 2020, and this 2021 is our year of harvest, I want to encourage you have a mindset have a belief system that knows that I will get it back in the name of Jesus. All that the enemy has stolen from me, he will restore and replenish because my God has given me the ability and the anointing to receive and to get it back in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, I want to set a, a proper expectation for all of us here in the church. As much as we know that this is our year of harvest, amen? Come on, say it with me. Say, this is our year of harvest. Now, even though this is our year of harvest, it doesn't mean that things will not happen. Things happen because you're living, you're breathing. As long as you're breathing and you're walking on this, on this earth, things, stuff will happen. Say, stuff happens. Stuff happens to all of us. As long as you are walking, stuff will happen, unexpected stuff. Things that you're not looking forward to happening will happen. Now, just because this is our year of harvest, as I said, when stuff happens, it doesn't mean that it cancels out what God has prophetically declared over your life. Are you with me? No one wants to go through difficult times. None of us want to go through seasons where we are experiencing hardships and difficulties or where we're experiencing a lack of the manifestation of what we're believing God for. But many times, sometimes when we don't receive what we're believing God for at the time we're believing Him for it, it's not because God is not giving it to you or God hasn't marked it for you. It is not within His proper timing for you. Sometimes we need to ask God, what are you teaching me in the season of my lack? Come on, talk to me, somebody. For most of us people, we receive more during the seasons of challenges than we do during good times. When I say receive, I'm talking about receiving insight and revelation from God. It is when your back is against the wall many a times that you begin to pursue the things of God and you begin to press. Now for the, for the life of me, I can't understand how people can be going through difficult times and still not pursue God. They are in a complete different category all by themselves. Because for most of us, it is when we're facing challenging times that... We readjust ourselves and realign ourselves to begin to seek the face of the one who elevated us to begin with. Are you with me, child of God? And nothing's wrong with that. The, the wrong part is when you don't. God did that with the nation of Israel throughout their history. When he would bless them, they would experience increase, they would experience prosperity, and they will begin to shift away from God. And then he will allow the enemy to come and attack them. Now, when the enemy thought that it was their power and their might that caused them to overcome Israel, God would humble the enemy also and wipe them out. But it was always when Israel faced an enemy that they turned and sought the face of God. 
My prayer is that we don't cause, <laughs> we don't pray for fire to come on our backs before we begin to see God's face. We have to be a people that grow to the point where we are disciplined enough to seek the face of God, not because we desire our lives to be good or better, but because of our relationship that we have with Him. Come and talk to me, somebody. Talk to me. I do not, or let me just put it this way. I am not nice to my wife only because I want something from her. You can say amen. I am not, yeah, yeah, don't get nervous. I am not nice to my wife because I wanted to cook my special dish, you know, palm butter. And because I want her to do something for me, and this gribble girl knows how to cook a palm butter for you. With all the creatures in the pot. I just ate the last one. I think I think I got one. This morning we had she she, she cracked up on me. You know, I told her that, you know, anyway, something. And then I said, but you know, I'm dieting. Girlfriend busted and started to laugh. She said, without palm butter, you've been eating this past week. You're talking about dieting. I said, but I just ate palm butter, you know. Seafood died. You got that right. Seafood. <laughs> but I am not nice to her just because I want something from her. And I trust that she's not nice to me because she wants something from me. But me loving her, being nice to her, wanting a relationship and a fellowship with her, desiring to be close to her is because I what? Love her. And my love is not based on what she gives me or what I receive from her. That is what love should be like. You guys better come here in February. Because some of you want married people so they can pay your rent. They may pay your rent for the first six months, but the rest of that marriage will be a living nightmare. Because you don't marry somebody because you want to get something from them. You don't marry someone because you are anticipating what they will do for you. I've had people come to me and say, not in this church. All right? So please, you got to get that right. Some of you are getting nervous right now. No, I'm none of you. But it was somewhere else, actually. It was, it was somewhere else, another state. And person came to me. Oh, Pastor Knuckles, you know, I really would like you to pray for me. I'm like, well, you got all your pastors here. You coming? Okay, yeah. What, uh, I really need a man now, you know. I said, okay, yeah, I mean, I want you guys to get married. Yeah, let's pray. Because, you know, I'm tired. I mean, I got so many bills to pay. I need somebody to help me pay my bills. I said, that's what you want a man for, to help you pay your bills? Pay your own bills. So love and intimacy, relationship is not based on what you give me. Come on, listen to me, child of God. I think too many believers, children of God, are in a relationship with God for what they can get from God. And you see, the problem with that is when things are not happening the way you anticipate, what ends up happening is I have a timeline that I expect God to 
provide my need or supply my need. And when that timeline comes and pass and I don't receive it, the next thing I do is I start to distance myself from him. I distance myself from serving him. I distance myself from church service. I distance myself from praying. And the church said, are you with me? But our love should be because of who he is. And God wants us to love him for who he is. Because God loves you. He loves you because he created you. He made you in his image. He has numbered the very hair on your head. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows you to your detail, your smallest detail. That's how much he loves you. He has said, my thoughts towards you are not evil, but good to give you an expected and a prosperous end. The bottom line is many times we deviate from the principles of God. And when we deviate from the principles of God, we find ourselves in situations that we don't want to be in. But if we would stay within the parameters of the principles that God has given us, we will begin to experience the victory that he has already won for us. Talk to me, somebody. Because it is not that you are going to try to get victory. You have already been given the victory. It is only for you now to walk in that victory. Are you with me? But in order for you to experience it, we have to walk according to his principles are you with me and God tells us he showed the nation of Israel he showed the nation of Israel his acts and I'll come back to that later but he showed Moses his ways he showed the nation of Israel his acts but Psalm 103, I believe it's verse 7, says that. To the nation of Israel, he showed his acts. But to Moses, he showed his ways. He said, Pastor, what's the big difference? A huge difference. Huge difference. Moses had asked God, show me your ways. God was using Moses to do big and mighty things. He was the one who did the ten plagues in Egypt. God used him to part the Red Sea. Drown the armies of Pharaoh. So Moses had seen the power of God. Many of you, many of us, we have seen God's power move on our behalf. Come on, talk to me. Some way or another, you are sitting here today and you are not one of the casualties of COVID because of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Just God's goodness has sustained you and has kept you. You may not have everything you want, but the fact that you even have a desire, it is the mercies and the goodness of God. There are those lying in a hospital bed using oxygen to keep them alive, hooked up to a machine. And you walked in here with your own two feet. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Isn't that enough to give God praise and glory? It is when we begin to recognize the goodness of God in our lives. It changes our perception of Him. God is not, how should I say, the, the, the slot machine. I put a coin in and I'm expecting to win. And y'all should be putting no coin in, no slot machine anyway. That's not who He is. Israel 
was only concerned with God coming through for them when, he, when they needed him. Moses had seen the power of God, but Moses wanted an intimate relationship with God. So God says in his word, I showed Israel, they were just concerned with my blessings. You know, let me bring it into today's word. The people that love to say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah, you are blessed and highly favored. Oh, I got a car. I'm blessed and highly favored. I got a house. I'm blessed. And so only when you get things, then you're blessed and highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored whether you have things or no things. You are blessed and highly favored because you are a child of God and Jesus died for you. You are blessed and highly favored because the very breath of God lives and breathes in and through you. And if we continue to look at it from a perception of material things like the nation of Israel, they were just concerned about what they were getting from God. God says, I will give it to you. But Moses wanted to know the ways of God. Moses wanted to know the character, the nature of God. Are you with me? Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. For those who only are focused on the acts of God, the manifested acts, the blessings and the physical things that God provides, what ends up happening is we begin to determine and judge God based on His provision. My understanding of His provision. But when we begin to understand who God is, know the ways of God, that is the character of God, that is the nature of God. When things happen to us, situations and circumstances, because it will happen to you. It is happening to you. You will still serve God and you will never accuse Him because you know His nature is he's good his character is he is merciful he is faithful he is loving he is kind he is gracious you will not allow your circumstances to determine who God is to you are you with me child of God are you with me because too many a times our understanding and our definition of God is connected to what we are going through. When we begin to understand God because, oh, God is blessing me. He's got me a new car. You know, I got a promotion of my job. You know, I got a new house. Then I know God loves me. I'm all gung ho. God loves me. Then when we come to church, we sing, yes. Because I just got myself a new car. What's wrong with you? God, God loves me. I got myself a job, a house. But guess what? We live in a world that has another spiritual being. Our enemy. And when he understands that your love for God is primarily based on physical things you actually set yourself up as a target are you with me if the enemy knows regardless what I do to sister massa 
She goes through hell. She loves God. She goes through heaven. She loves God. Through the good times. She loves God. Through the bad times. She loves God. It doesn't cause her faith to waver. It doesn't cause her service to waver. He will know that this person is rooted and grounded in God. I better go look for somebody else. Talk to me, somebody. But if he knows that Sister Massa only serves God when things are good and when things are bad, she's ready to turn her back on God. She's ready to give up her service. She's ready to quit the praise and worship. He says, good, I got me somebody that I can beat up. You must understand something here. The enemy's attempt is to mess up our thinking about God. He's got better things to do with his time than to go after us. But if he can cause you to turn on God, he's got you. That's his goal. He don't care about your car. There are many believers that got cars better than you. He ain't after your rotten old car. There are believers that got newer cars than you, bigger cars than you, more expensive cars. Are you listening to me? He's not after your house. I can't pay my mortgage and I can't pay my rent. and They're going to kick me out of my house. and Oh, I don't know what to do. It's not just about your house, your car. Please understand me. It's about your faith and your trust. Your relationship in the God that you claim you love. I hope you guys are receiving. Some of you are not talking. You know, there are some people that, uh, if they were to tell me, you know, um, Pastor Kofi got into a fighting match with one stranger out there. I said, what do you mean fighting match? No, they went into blows. I'll say, you, you must have been seeing somebody else. It isn't Pastor Kofi. No, no, no. I really saw not. Please. It's not. No, Pastor, I, I really saw. You got him mixed up with somebody else. You know. You know why? Because I know him. I've known him for years. I know his character. I know his nature. I know what he is capable of doing and not capable of doing. Are you with me? When you know the ways of someone, nobody, nothing can cause you to deviate in your thoughts about the person. Child of God. Many times we think we know God. We think we are close to God. And sometimes the enemy comes. Let me show you how much of God you think you know. And he comes and he. And so. Oh, you pray for me. Rubo koshanta riba kasanta. God, I mean, there can't be no God. Because if 
God was truly there. He will not let the devil slap me about like this. No, no, no. The devil ain't going to slap you like this. He's going to slap you by getting you fired from your job. He's going to slap you by getting you kicked out of your house. That you can't pay your mortgage. You can't pay your rent. That everything around you just seems to be falling apart. Everything you touch. You know the Midas touch? You are the opposite of the Midas touch. Everything doesn't turn to gold. It turned to dust. It turned to ashes. And you're there quoting scriptures. And you say, I've been giving tithes. Well, sometimes. A few times, but I give sometimes. And then we start comparing ourselves with others. I know patients don't tithe. I tithe regularly. How come I see her driving a big car? And I'm driving a Mini, Austin. I know patients don't tie. How come she's got a good job and I don't? I mean, patient, she comes to church once every three, I mean, three times a year. Every quarter, she will come watch night. She will come Easter Sunday. And then it is wind blow. She may come another time during the year. That's the But I come to church every blessed Sunday. I'm, I'm even singing in the praise of worship. I tithe every week. And look what's happening to me. Look at all the hell I'm going through. Look at the problems in my marriage. The problems with my children. The problems on my job. Am I talking to myself? And we begin to compare. You know what God wants from you and I? God wants us to know his ways. He lives within us. I believe nothing could hurt him more than for him to feel that his children don't love him. Oh, rather, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake, that he doesn't love his children. Can you imagine how I, as a daddy, would feel if my older child, not like a minor veer, a minor veer, they, they, they make us laugh. They go to their mommy and say, you're not my mommy today. Auntie Alice is my mommy now. And that's fine. They're four years old. But if a grown somebody, way up in age, at the age of Al, come and say, you're not my mommy, you're not my daddy. I don't love you. I wonder how that will touch. It says, you, you don't love me. I don't think you've ever truly loved me. Because if you truly love me, I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through. I wonder which parent would say, oh, no, no big deal. It will always touch our hearts. Because at a certain stage, you expect your child to know you, know your ways, know your character, know your nature, know that you would do anything and everything for them. That you truly, sincerely love them.
Are you with me? I want you to get a picture of God. God's nature is for us to begin to love him, not based on things. Come on, turn, turn to somebody and say, God wants you to love him, not based on things. Say it again. Say, God wants you to love him, not based on things. Not based on answers to prayer. If God chooses not to answer your prayer, we are his servants. We are his children. We serve him. He doesn't serve us. Let him be glorified irrespective of what it is. Are you with me? Right now, in my heart, I feel like changing the entire message. I want to point to somebody. Let's go. I'll keep it for another time. The reason God wants us not to look at the things because things are external. Your circumstances in life is physical. It's outside. It's external. The Bible tells us in John 4, they that worship God must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. God ministers to you and I internally in our what? Spirit. All God's transactions and interactions with us and communication is always done not based on feelings, not based on the outside, but based on our spirit, our connection with Him in spirit. You, you got to grab hold of this. This is the foundation of this message. And it is the foundation of every other situation where God shows confidence in His children that they will overcome and they will not look at the circumstances to determine whether I love them or not. So here is David. Let me stay with David. I'll go to Job. I'll use Job as an example. Here is Job and the Bible tells us that there was a day where the sons of God came before him. The sons of God don't mean that they are sons of God, but it means that they're spirit beings. Came before God, and Satan himself was there also. And God asked him, where are you coming from? And he said, eh, nowhere really, just up and down. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none as righteous as he? I want you to grab this. A lot of times people have misinterpreted the scripture to mean God set Joseph, uh, Job up as a bait for Satan. No, that's not what happened. Satan was trying to be evasive. And God says, I know where you're coming from. You've come from Job, trying to mess with Job. And then Satan says something which is very revealing. You see, I want you to understand something. The Bible is giving us a picture of what happens in the realm of the spirit that you and I may not necessarily be aware of. But God has given us a window, a picture to see behind the natural. And here God says, then Job says, well, I mean, 
Satan says, well, does Job fear God for nothing? You have put a hedge around him that I cannot come near him. Question, God is omnipotent, he's omnipresent. Satan is not. In other words, God is everywhere. Satan can only be one place. He's just like you and I. One place at one time. How in the world did he know that there was a hedge around Job? Unless he had gone there to mess with Job and saw God's hedge of protection around him. Are you with me, child of God? God has a hedge of protection around each and every single one of you. And Satan said to God, the only reason Job loves you is because of what you've given him. But take everything away from him. He will curse you to your face. He says, if you move your protection and everything Job has, he will curse you. Satan wanted a child of God to curse God's face. The Bible is giving us a picture of what happens in the realm of the spirit. God was so confident in Job, he says, no, I know this man. There's none as righteous as he. Go ahead. And so the hedge of protection was removed. But I want you to understand something. If you're faced with any challenge and any difficulty, any situation, know that it has to go through God first before it comes to you. That in itself should give you comfort in knowing that nothing can happen to you that is beyond your ability to bear where the grace of God will not sustain you. If anything is happening to you, the grace of God can carry you. So Satan was gleeful about that. He went and uh, we know the story, even though I'm deviating from David, but we know the story. Satan went over there and, and uh, killed the, the oxen, the cattle of Job. And Job did not curse God. Because why? His relationship with God was not based on what? Things. Talk to me somebody. Say things. I don't know why y'all can't talk. His, Job's relationship with God was not based on material things. What he had or what he didn't have. And the reason why many a times our relationship with God is based on things is because we are always comparing ourselves with somebody else. If I, they said in the land, uh, in the, the land of the one-eyed giant, what? In the land of the blind, the one-eyed giant is king. If everybody was blind and you just had one eye, you'll be satisfied because everybody is blind. You're the boss. But when you take the one-eyed giant and you bring him in the land of the seeing, where everybody got two eyes, then he will start complaining. The complaint only comes when we start comparing ourselves. Then we don't begin to appreciate where God has placed us and the blessings he has given us already. Talk to me, somebody. You got a job. You're getting paid. You're living somewhere. You ate before coming. You're going to eat when you go home. What you complaining about? 
You got your own means of transportation. But it only becomes bad when I compare myself to what Masa got. When I start comparing myself with what Masa has, then it becomes an issue. Then I'm no longer grateful because Masa, Masa got, you know, a job and she's earning X amount of money and I'm just earning this amount of money. Talk to me, somebody. But because I am so focused on things, my perception is so narrow, my view is so narrow that I cannot even see Masa might be saying within her heart that I am so blessed because of what I have. Talk to me, somebody. You see, when we are too busy comparing and we don't have that kind of relationship, I'm coming, I'm going to get this to, 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 to David. Maybe not today. This is a huge connection because David's strength was because he knew who God was from his early childhood. Are you with me? Massa might be envious of me. She might be envious of you. Well, not envy, but just, you know, say, wow, this person is so blessed. You don't know what Masa is going through in her life. People going to know your name by the time I get done with this message. You don't know what Masa is going through internally. You don't know what your neighbor is going through. That is why you must Develop a relationship with the God that is not based on material things, what you have or don't have. Your relationship with God is because of who He is. He's your daddy. He's your father. He's merciful. He's good. The Bible tells us, bless the Lord for He is good. His mercies endures forever. So you might have a big car. I want to be very careful how I say this. You might have a huge house. I got peace. While you're fasting and praying to pay the mortgage, I'm in my one or two bedroom apartment, finished paying it, thinking about going on a cruise. You might have a nice, big, gigantic Tesla that can drive by remote control. I might have my old 2005 Nissan. What, we're in 2021? No, it's really bad. Okay, so let me say 2010. 2005 might not be able to be drive driven, right? My 2010 Nissan, you got your Tesla where you don't even have to drive. You just sit back then and just drive, you say, go home. They just on the way home, navigating, and it just go. And you just sit down. But you got no peace. You hear that they're downsizing and now you're nervous and you're scared because you still got to pay for that Tesla. I got my 2010 uh, Nissan Ultima that is paid for, being paid for riding around in total peace of mind. Talk to me, somebody. Mm -hmm. 
I want to say this. God wants to deal with us not from a perception of what we can see or feel, but from the Spirit. Because when you operate with the things of God based on what you can feel or see, you have been set up for a hit. Are you with me? God wants us to understand, recognize the just shall live by faith, not by sight. That is being child of God. If you don't get anything I said today, I want you to grab a hold of this. God operates with us. He wants us to grow to the point where everything we do, we recognize, we move by our connection with him spiritually, by faith and not physically, by sight. Are you with me? Are you with me? Anyone who is operating by sight will be misled into believing you are failing when you are actually succeeding. I'll end by introducing the subject of David. David and his men went out. David was being sought by Saul. Saul tried to kill him. Tried to kill him because he was popular. Saul tried to kill him because the women, you know, women can always, you know, say things that can just cause problems. The women sang a song when David killed Goliath and David used to go out with the armies with Saul and don't forget David was now in the palace working with Saul. He was a servant. They saw the whole king coming with David and they developed a song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul said, wait a minute. You mean this small boy that I brought into my kingdom? They are praising me and attributing only a thousand to me. And they are attributing ten thousand to him? What more could he want but my throne? What Saul didn't realize is that God had already anointed David to be king. But I want you to understand something. For those of us who are afraid of enemies, when the enemy comes against you, the Bible tells us the spirit of the living God will set up a standard. If no enemy is going after you, you must be of no significance to the kingdom of darkness. Enemies only go after people that are significant in the kingdom. If you are not a threat to the devil, he will leave you alone sometimes. So if you don't want to be bothered, be no threat to him. Don't evangelize. Don't win souls. Don't talk to nobody about God. Just be a nominal Christian, uh, you know, powerless Christian. But if you are trying to make headway, you're trying to do things for the kingdom of God, you're being faithful, you're just living a holy, sanctified life, he will attack you. You don't run from the enemy's attack. You learn to put your confidence and your trust 
in God. So David had fled to the area of the Philistines because Saul wanted him. And here he and his men decided they had been hiding in caves. They went to the Philistine camp and now he went to join with the Philistines to go into battle. David was where he ought not to be. He was out there working but doing what he had no business doing. And the king of the Philistines said, you know what my soldiers, my generals say, they're afraid of you while I was in the midst of battle. You might turn against them. I know you're a good person. You've been on my land. I have no problem with you, but you and your men go back. So it is when David and his men went back to their home that he saw their entire home had been burnt down. I want you to picture that for a moment. You are out there thinking that you're serving God. He had been anointed 15 years later when this thing happened. He had already been anointed. God has called you to fulfill a divine purpose, a reason. You are out there doing what you believe God has called you to do. You are busy. You're working. And you come home. And what do you see? A divorce is happening in your home. Your spouse is taking it up, packing up with the children. They're tired. I'm tired suffering. I'm leaving. I'm quitting on you. Their entire home was burnt down. And the Bible said they didn't even realize whether their children, their wives were alive. The enemy came and took them all. Wives, children, all. My question is, how would you have felt? And the Bible says the men, they wept until they could weep no more. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because David's trust in God, David's relationship with God was never based on things. It was based on knowing who God was. David knew who God was. David had a relationship with God. So when this catastrophe came to him, he could put his confidence in God to get him out of it. Child of God, this is your year of harvest. I will continue next week. This is your year of harvest, but don't make the mistake of thinking because this is your year of harvest, the enemy is going to leave you alone. The enemy may show up his ugly face, but my prayer for you is that you would have already developed a relationship with the Lord, that your confidence will be in him, that when he does show up, you will be so secured in your relationship and your fellowship with him that you put your trust in him. You will not allow what is going on on the outside, say on the outside, to affect your faith on the inside, in your heart. Never allow the circumstances of life to cause you to doubt the revelation of who God is. Stand to your feet, child of God. Never allow whatever you go through to create a doubt in your mind that God loves you, that you are a child of His, that He desires the best for you. He desires to increase you. He desires to meet your need. 
He desires to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But my prayer is that your relationship with God is that it will not be based on physical, tangible blessings that you receive. It will be based on the fact that you know the nature of God. You know the character of God. You know that He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He watches over you. He keeps you. He will preserve you through whatsoever you go through. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just bless you. We thank you because you are a good God. A God of love. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace. And Lord, I commit your people into your hands. And, and Father, I pray right now that our love for you will not be based on material things. But Father, it will be, oh God, because we have an intimate knowledge of who you are. That Lord, in the name of Jesus, even as you live and reside within us, we will develop that love relationship, Lord. That we will know your character that you are love you are a good God and your mercies endure forever in Jesus name Amen and Amen